Hello, everyone. This is Melinda Russell with the Women's Motorsports Network. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you're going to be like, that doesn't look like a woman. And no, because sometimes I do what I call my bonus episodes. And a bonus episode could be a woman, a man. It doesn't matter. It could be a young kid. It could be an older person. But the bonus episodes are usually men. And the reason that we call them bonus episodes is because I do try to stick to women in motorsports for the regular podcast. But sometimes someone comes to my attention that we need to have on the show. And so instead of just like ignoring that, I like to have a way to interview people that I think should have a chance to tell their story. And so tonight, uh, the bonus episode is Kyle Lockrow. Kyle was suggested to me to interview that he has a great story. And, and so we're going to find out all about Kyle tonight. So Kyle, I just want to welcome you to the show. Hi, Melinda. Thank you so much to you and all of your audience and everybody on your show for having me on. And I'm glad that uh, I'm on for a good reason. It's not because I'm a bonehead or something. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, 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 not, not that at all. So Kyle, first, why don't we get to know you a little bit better? Would you share um, some things about yourself that you're willing for everybody to know? Well, <laughs> I, I'm i 33 years old, and it's been a journey with the racing. I started at 17 years old. I started having a passion for NASCAR at seven years old. I grew up watching Hanna-Barbera flavored cartoons with Scooby-Doo, Flintstones, Jetsons, when Melling Racing and Diamond Ridge had the Cartoon Network cars in the late 90s, it was a big motivator for me to really get into NASCAR. And it helped me as a child, as it did for many others that I've heard about over the years. But I also had some close family friends that I went to school with. Their oldest son, Andrew Montag, um, his dad, Denny, and then his mom, Molly, they introduced me to the NASCAR 98 PlayStation 1 console game. And from then on, it was some call it a passion. Others call it an obsession, potato, potato. But for me, it was something that I shared very deeply. And it was something that me and my grandmother, who um, on my mom's side, that's no longer with us, we watched every weekend. And she swore that the day she retired, she swore I was going to get to go cup racing or I was going to make it to cup somehow. And she was going to get an RV and follow me around every week. So it was something that I could share with her. I was very close with her as a child and we collected a lot of diecast when I was a kid. But from there, it not only grew into me being a fan, but when I was 17 years old, I actually decided I wanted to give it a shot. I had an injury in high school when I was a wrestler and did a few other sports when the doctor after the surgery and the doctor said, you can do this again, but I don't know if I can fix you up again. So I said, you know what, let's give this racing thing a shot. I always was on the simulator as a kid with the NASCAR papyrus games. And I really just wanted to see if I could make something out of it. So I started in late models for some testing Took a step back, really got my racing going in four cylinders and Legends cars, worked my way back to late models, did some ARCA testing at short tracks and ultimately ended up at Daytona by accident. And I've just progressively rolled into different series. I've tried to diversify myself, road racing, 
And from there, now I've moved up into ARCA and hoping starting next year to be in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series as, as a development driver for G2G Racing, uh, Tim VN's uh, Toyota operation out of Mooresville. Well, that's a pretty exciting story to hear. And, you know, Kyle, what you just said to me is a lot has been a lifelong dream for you, but but for a lot of young men and young ladies, they they, you know, get introduced to motorsports and then, um, you know, whatever happens, happens. They get hurt here or they get introduced to it somewhere else. And they're like, I think I'm going to try this. I think this is something I want to do. And it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of motivation and passion and money, right, to get there. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'm, I admire that you never gave up. And at 33, you're still you're still young. You know, I I have to laugh when I don't feel it some days, not to interrupt you, but I don't feel it some days. Some days I wake up and I went, wow, I'm I'm about a day over dead. Yeah. But you know, in, in NASCAR, they're they talk about Kyle Bush and some of them, oh, they're the older ones. And they are the older ones in the series compared to like Carson, who's 20. But yeah. 33 is still young. You have plenty of years left to race. And so, uh, you know, give it a shot, give it your best all. And, you know, we're all going to be cheering for you. So what is it about motorsports that you just could not get it out of your blood? For me, motorsports has just always been something that I felt like I've been naturally good at compared to where stick and ball sports, I was never the most athletic. I don't come from the most athletic background in my family, let's say. I mean, my mom was a decent athlete. My grandfather was a pretty good football player. My dad was a, is very book smart, and my dad is just very good. He, was, he wasn't really into sports, um, just wasn't. Not that he wasn't exposed to it, but just wasn't for him. And I feel like it actually benefited me a little bit because he's been hard on me to an extent about my, about making sure I'm well-spoken and I never understood it for a long time. And honestly, the last five years with the racing, especially with the increase in media and the demand that a driver has nowadays, I realized that he actually did me a favor. And I actually want to thank him tonight on the show. Uh, sometimes I've been a little hypocritical about my parents because we tend to butt heads a bit about racing and have for a long time. But I have to commend my dad. He has been very hard on me about proper English and presentation. And honestly, I appreciate what he's done for me because mm -hmm. while I don't expect and have never expected my parents to put five mortgages out on their house so I can go race in NASCAR, and I don't expect them to do that. I wanted, I actually made some decisions for my education to stay in state and do things on a more conservative basis. So my parents could retire so they could pay their house off because I want them to enjoy life. They've sacrificed a lot for me. So I wanted to be smart and hopefully maybe if I can make it in racing, maybe I can pay it back even more so a little bit for them. But no, my dad actually was very, has, has helped me so much with the writing and, and the grammar and it, it's helped me so much on the business side of the racing, but I still love the speed and the challenge of 
controlling something that to the the average person is not supposed to be controlled, whether it's a sports car, a stock car, a drag race car, whatever the case, you know, a dirt bike, whatever the case is. It's just something that while I struggled at stick and ball, when I got behind the wheel of a race car, I felt at home. I felt the most confident. And to be perfectly honest with you and open and transparent, it got me through a lot of rough years of some bullying when I was in school for you name it, they picked it. But for me, racing was my escape and it was a way for me to find confidence. It was a way for me to find out who I was and it was a way for me to test limits that I didn't know I had in myself. And it actually, the concentration and the, and the motivation and the dedication you have to have, it's actually helped me as I've transitioned into an IT career from my full-time job outside of the driving. Yeah. You know, there's so much more that we can learn from racing besides how to drive the car. You know, people who don't know anything about motorsports or who only watch on Sunday or they're a Fairweather fan or whatever that might be, um, they don't realize the, the things that you gain from being involved. First of all, the thing that I love about motorsports is the people I meet. So I have a, a whole family of people um, that I would have no, never had had it not been for motorsports. Hmm. The confidence that you gain by, you know, having a goal, setting yourself a, maybe a challenge to do this. And then you, then you uh, are successful at it. Um, there's so many things, Kyle, that we can't even explain to people, really. They, they have to experience it. It's just like a fan to put it a little more into perspective for the listeners. There's so many people that while Fox and NBC and ESPN over the years and, and TNT and others have done a yeoman's job of giving spot on coverage each and every weekend, while we may not disagree or we may not agree or we may disagree with what the announcers or the play-by-play analysts may have to say, or we may f- see favoritism let's say just we we hear all kinds of things in racing let's say but what what it what i hear most is it looks boring it looks like you're just in there on a sunday drive and you're turning left and then you go left again and then you go down a straightaway and you happen to make another left turn and what they don't realize is until they actually go to the track and to your point and they meet the fans and they see the passion and the love and just and the disdain they have for some drivers and personalities in racing, let's say, yeah. uh, especially in the rivalry cases. But when they can see it, hear it, smell it, experience it, feel yeah. the vibration of 30,000 horsepower firing up, yeah. going around the racetrack every weekend. And then when they can see it, especially at the short tracks and the road courses where they don't run the right side windows sometimes, it really allows those fans, especially when you sit up close at places like Richmond or Bristol, Martinsville, or even at like Watkins Glen when you're at a road course, you can see the drivers mm-hmm. you know, in there, the men and the women who are putting their lives on the line, shifting, driving mm-hmm. those things, fighting those cars. Because, I mean, it looks easy on TV, but we all know a race car could be a winner one week and it could be a dumpster fire the next week on lap one. And you've done nothing to it. You no. know, you haven't changed anything up a lot or whatever and then you know oh my gosh it's it's just amazing 
how smart the people have to be that are putting their time and that's their job to make sure that that car runs its best week after week. And like you said, some weeks it's great. And the next week it's at the end and you're like, what the heck happened? (laughs) I know it's, it's incredible. You you finish well one week, you put it up on jack stands. We're not going to touch it. We're just going to flip the setup, make a couple air pressure changes, maybe adjust the bar for going from a Kansas to uh, let's say going to Phoenix. And next thing you know, you come out and you decide to take the same car because you like it and it ran well. And, and then all of a sudden you get to the track and you unload for practice on Friday or Saturday. And you're like, we're out to lunch, boys. <laughs> what do we do? Right. right. Exactly. And us drivers, we never complain at all. We, we never oh, get on no, the never. Mean and gripe and, and say things we shouldn't say and sound like five-year-olds. We would never do that. No, not, not ever. You're always just the best to get we're, along with. For we're sure. angels 24 yeah. seven. <laughs> And so if anybody, good. and if any of you listeners believe this, I have beachfront property in Tennessee that I'll sell you. you know, <laughs> there you cheap. go. So really, who did inspire you to keep going after your dream of being a race car driver? Well, there's a couple perspectives I want to give on that. From the inside of the sports side, I have to say I followed Jeff Gordon for a long time, and I know that's probably going to lose my fan base. Cause I know the diehards that yeah. were senior fans, they're going to call me a sissy and everything else. Cause I just, I know how I, that rivalry always made me laugh for years. And then I look back and I'm like, wow, those Earnhardt and Gordon made a killing off of that. And they know exactly, they knew exactly what they and were they doing. were friends. They were. And Earnhardt they were respected, business. he yeah. respected Jeff Gordon so much for his ability. Yeah. He called right. him a sissy. He called him this, that, and the other, but he did it. And it, and the interviews you've heard, they even said there's money to be made here. There's there there. They knew what they were doing. And honestly, it's the best thing that could have happened in NASCAR in the yeah. 90s because it grew the fan base so much during that peak period. But Jeff was a big inspiration for me. I became a fan of Brian Vickers when he started driving for his dad in 2001, 2002, when he moved up from Hooters Pro Cup to Bush. I was there when Brian scored his first top 10 at Bush at Richmond when he finished seventh in May of 02, followed him when he picked up the five car. I'm a big nerd, racing nerd with stats and everything. I, I But again, it was, it was what got me through difficult times as a child. So for me, it's good memories and, it, it helped fuel my fire to drive, not only be involved in the sport, but drive these things. But when Brian went on to drive for Hendrick and then Red Bull, but I just always admired him because he always had to overcome so much adversity. He never, he always had good stuff, but he was always underrated in my opinion as a driver. And he always felt like he had to prove himself. And I feel like I, I'm very much in that same boat. Yeah. And, Outside of the sport, it was my Grammy, um, Peggy Echeverria, but her Peggy Lewis was her um, when she was before she got remarried. Um, she I always joke with people. She was we, her and I had a bond from when I was a little kid that was just so special. I, I joke with people. I could have. She was so proud of me all the time. I mean, she would discipline me when I did wrong, but. She was so proud of me and believed in me so much. I could have knocked off a 7-Eleven and she could have driven the getaway car. That's how much she loved me. And and that's just the relationship that we had. And 
I'm not saying go go knock off a 7-Eleven. You're not going to do that. I'm just it. Although a Slurpee does sound really good right now. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't eaten much today, so I've got my mind rolling. I apologize. We're both thinking about food as exactly. we got on to record this. <laughs> exactly. I almost had a bowl of something. Like, no, I really don't need macaroni and cheese. Cheese sticking off my lips. Yeah, exactly. So, so did she ever get yeah. to? Did she ever get to see you race? She got to see me run once before she got really sick. Unfortunately, she passed in 2011 from pancreatic cancer. Uh, okay. It got it got very aggressive very quickly by the time she got diagnosed. And unfortunately, she was just so tired. She she just knew it was time yeah. her time. But she saw me run once at Lonesome Pine down in Coburn, Virginia, about an hour from Bristol. And that's where we have family on my mom's side in the Big Stone Gap, Southeast Virginia area. And I drove the, I drove an adventure that night. We'll put it that way. I lost a cylinder in a four cylinder car. So it was out to lunch, but I finished dead last, but she, you'd have thought I won the race as excited as she was to see me. Unfortunately, she was busy. I was busy with college. I did get to test the legends car and do some stuff, but she just, the aggressiveness of the cancer yeah. had gotten so bad that she couldn't go. So, yeah, but she knew no matter whether she was there in person or not, number she one, knew. he knew that you were thinking of her because that was your thing, you and her. And, and so, and you knew she was with you because that's just how it is, isn't it? She rides with me every week when I race, I have a picture of her and my papa. And they ride inside my suit every week that I remember to actually put the picture in my suit. Yeah. And they're, they ride right here at my heart. When I do it, I put it right inside. And I just, just all I say is love you guys and keep me yeah. away from the nut, keep me away from the nut jobs. And they do, <laughs> they do a pretty good yeah. job. They've got a pretty good track record of it. I've, there's some stuff I've been on on ovals and road courses that I probably shouldn't have gotten on. And I look up and I go, I know you, you uh -huh. anybody, you have a personality and you made a deal with the man upstairs. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good feeling to have, to know that, that they're there with you. I've got, so two what's your, what's your favorite track? Right yeah. What's, what's your favorite track that you've raced at? Ooh. So I'll give you a couple of perspective. I'll give you the oval side and the road course side because okay. doing the NASCAR stuff and the uh, endurance road racing. I have a few. I've always loved Richmond. I've seen races there. I've done a little bit of testing at Richmond. That place has special to me for a few reasons because of it. So I love Richmond. I like Charlotte on the oval side. It's I've had a little bit of success in testing there. It just seemed to suit me. And I made my debut at Kansas. I loved Kansas the way it drove. I like Martinsville. Haven't been there yet to drive it. I'm hoping to race there in Bristol next year. We can get into that later. Uh, and then if given the opportunity, I want to go run Homestead uh, next year. I just, I love that racetrack since they've done the work that they've done to it. It's the one of the few tracks that they haven't screwed up. So yeah. at least in my opinion, uh, on the road course side, I love Watkins Glen. I have fallen in love with that place since the first time I turned a lap. I, I like Sebring. It's a challenge. It's rough. I like the Daytona road course. But one of my all-time favorite road courses had to be Mid-Ohio. 
I had a really good time the first time I was there, and I love that place. The elevation change, the corners, the heavy braking zones. I had first time I was there, I had a BMW. I was driving for a team called Racer X. wasn't even supposed to be in the car that weekend. It was supposed to be in the team car. Something happened in practice. The owner decided the co-owners threw me in the car for practice. Friday, I came out of the box pretty quick, and he's like, "Yeah, he's mine for the weekend." So you're gonna find another driver. And we just had a really good weekend. Um, I had some co-drivers that were a little bit less experienced at road racing. So I was trying to help them as much as I could. But Mid-Ohio just suited me for some reason. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you a funny story about Mid-Ohio. So my husband and I both have motorcycle licenses. And he got his when he was like 16. And I got mine when I was 50. So it's a second marriage. And uh, so when I met him, uh, our first date was actually on a motorcycle. Oh, wow. But Mid-Ohio was someplace that my nephew raced back in the day. And my husband had never heard of it. So when we got married, I said, you've never heard of Mid-Ohio and the superbike races? And I couldn't believe it. So I, I said, well, we're going. So we went probably 10 years in a row there and um we love that place we sit up on the hill right by the keyhole and then sometimes we go down and sit um in the shade where all the trees are along the line there and we love that track so i can see why driving it i can see why you would love that track it's just, it's fun though. It it's fast, but it flows when you get through turns four. when you go past China beach, as long as you don't end up at the beach yeah. and to go in through that four through six section and just going up over seven and the car gets real light. And if, and if you can be smooth and be disciplined, you can really make up time there and you've just got to be really smooth and, it, thankfully they're repaved they've repaved it they're announced that they're going to put some fresh stuff down which has been good it's been overdue for a while hopefully yeah. it's a pavement that is a little more favorable in rain because it's slick in the dry and it is an absolute monster in the wet ask anybody that's driven mid ohio bike car whatever yeah that's a great that's a great track absolutely mm. love it yeah so what's been the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome as far as, you know, being a driver or getting to, you know, ARCA or beyond, what's been the, the biggest obstacle? That I don't come from a family that gave me a trust fund that I can spend at will. Yeah. Let's be realistic. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah. Uh, I don't come from money. Um, I'm not going to ask my parents, like I said earlier, to pull out five mortgages for me to go race and sacrifice their life for yeah. something that, ultimately could go away tomorrow. I mean, injury or sponsor money dries up. I mean, it's a very volatile sport nowadays, yeah. especially in the economy that we're in and we've been in for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So money's been that, but also just, I don't have the name Burton. I don't have the name Elliot. I don't have the name Blaney. I don't have a name attached to me. I mean, nothing against those guys, but I don't have that name. Right. Lockrow is not a name that's been in motorsport since the eighties or nineties. Let's be realistic. Yeah. I am a very unknown individual. I've kind of come out of the woodwork in a sense. I've tried to 
make an impression on people, but I'm trying to do it in an old school manner. I want to prove that the little guy can still make it. I want to, and I'm, I'm determined to show that the little guy can still make it. And that if you have an old school mentality and you're willing to go get sponsorship with help from my supportive wife and business manager and um, co-owner of KLR management, Tanya, of course, but I can't do it on my own. And I will never say I will, but just, I want to prove that these guys on the short tracks, if you have the determination and you're willing to go get the funding, if you're willing to put yourself out there and care about the fans, do the appearances, do what the sponsor asks you to do, which has been one of the biggest complaints and driving is just a portion of it. Now it's not what it was years ago. You have to do the outside of the seat requests and that's something I'm very, and that's something I'm very adamant about. Hence why I thank my dad adamantly for being so hard on me about my English language and just my writing, because I write my own press releases. I try to just make sure that, what? Um, sorry. And um, sorry, I got distracted for a second. Okay. Uh, so you run, you know, it, let's, let's talk about that a minute. One of my biggest pet peeves is when I'm on social media and it's not like they're using those like intentional um, abbreviations like LOL. No, they're, they just can't spell and they don't capitalize. And I'm not the, I'm not the um, grammar police, but it is annoying to see that. And when you see, People notice that. Like if if there's a sponsor looking at your social media and you know they do before they sponsor you, they're going to be watching what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And they see that, you know, what you're posting and it's not spelled right. And it's not a lot of those things. They are going to think twice about having you represent their brand. And so you are very right. And a lot of people don't think about that. They don't think about how they come across outside of the racetrack. Now, and a lot of drivers don't realize that these companies, it's a risk for them to get involved. You are an extension of ABC organization, whether it's small, midsize or a large corporate enterprise, you are an extension of their marketing department. Mm -hmm. You hold a responsibility to make sure that these people have what they need and to make sure that you take care of them, that their investment is taken care of and protected as their brand is along with yours at yeah. the same time. It's a big responsibility and it takes a lot of practice, a lot of nurturing and a lot of just being self-aware. And you always have to have your head on a swivel and making sure that you're not saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. You want to push the limit of being having a personality, but you also, with today's climate, you also can't go over the edge to where then unfortunately be, you become a flight risk and then that investment goes away. So it's, yeah. it's a fine line. You have to be well-spoken. You have to come across educated, but you also want to be relatable to the common fan and to the common individuals that support motorsports, especially yeah. the short track and the, and the, the grassroots stuff, because those people, Sometimes those folks that are only able to go to the grassroots stuff, that investment goes a long way because they're 
a lot of them are blue collar folks that yeah. it's, it, it takes a lot of their income to go. So you want to make sure you're giving them the best bang for their buck because a lot of times they're the ones that support ABC sponsor or partner yeah. on your car. So for me, it's important. I want, that's why I said old school and I apologize for a minute ago for getting, I was checking something off the camera. Um, we've got two cats. So they were, I wasn't sure if I was getting ready to get attacked at my feet. <laughs> so, um, they like to do that when I'm, busy. But anyway, where I was going with it was you have to, you have to be careful, but you, you want to give an old school approach where a lot of these drivers nowadays tend to shy away from the fans and don't want to be bothered with it. I take the time to do it. I know it's important because mm -hmm. I understand. And I remember being that fan of being yeah. at those trailers waiting an hour and a half to get an autograph and just two minutes of a driver's time. Who's got yeah. thousands of people that he'll meet over the course of a race weekend. So I understand what these kids and these adults and just these, these diehards want because I remember yeah. it because not a long time ago, I was that person. Right. Exactly. So do you have a most memorable moment in your racing career? My first win when I won my first endurance race at Carolina Motorsports Park in Kershaw. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, it's a two, I think it's a 2.4 mile facility. It's about an hour and 15 minutes south of Charlotte. Uh, nice facility. A lot of teams have tested cars there, cup cars, bush cars, well, Xfinity cars, I'm sorry. Um, I was reading something today that said <laughs> um, they were, they've tested cars there from different divisions of NASCAR for a long time. And I didn't realize just how significant CMP was. And ironically, it was in a BMW. It was for an underdog team. Nobody counted us that we, they figured we would finish top 10. We had a solid car, but nobody thought us that we could thought that we could win. And we overcame adversity in the weather. I got in with the last couple hours with, in the pouring rain. Our brakes were fading. I had a clutch that was starting to go intermittent and I had no wipers. Oh. We unfortunately we just we weren't planning on the rain to be as bad as they forecasted. And we figured that we probably won't need it. We just threw some rain X on there, but God willing and some help from a couple of angels, we came from seventh to first when I got in the car and I just was able to keep the car on the racetrack, run smooth, consistent laps. We were able to catch guys that weren't as comfortable in the rain and I was able to get my first win and I had great teammates that drove phenomenal six hours or five hours before that, before I got in the car. So, I mean, it was an absolute team victory. That was a great memory. My first time, running at Daytona, excuse me, in testing. I mean, having to go flat at Daytona is no easy task when you're coming right out of legends cars, let's be realistic. And you haven't had a lot of time on short, um, on short tracks in general, mm -hmm. but I knew that it was an opportunity to test my ability and push me to a limit. And I want to say my third memory that I have in motorsports was helping starting the business that Tanya and I've created with KLR management group, LLC. We have, we're here to represent the little guy, a guy like me and the seven or eight other clients that we represent. 
we want to show that you don't have to have thousands of dollars for a monthly retainer. You can, we're here to help you find a way to make this happen. So the fact that she's been so helpful and just so supportive of my career has been something I'm very grateful for. And I feel like we're growing. We've, we're turning a lot of heads. We're, we're making some waves and I think we're, we've got some big things coming in the next couple of years and I'm excited to see where we go. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. And, you know, there's, again, there's so much more to motorsports and, and being a driver and getting a ride and all that than what your average person understands or even knows what it takes to do it. And the fact that you have seen the need for, having a business where you can help others is remarkable. And I, I love seeing that for sure. And, you know, you just never know, like we were talking earlier, you never know who's watching or who might be behind you or whatever, mm -hmm. but for people to get their name out there and get noticed is really difficult because when you think about how many tracks there are and how many drivers at each track and, you know, there's always those hidden gems of drivers all over the country. But if they don't get themselves noticed, then it's it's really hard for them to move up or to to get up into the even the Arca series or the trucks. And so it it takes somebody like you, Kyle, and your wife to do what you're doing to help those people. And that's that's a really really good thing that you're doing. So I, I appreciate that we can tell your story and let people know. Well, we appreciate that. It's, it's been a long, um, oh, it's been a long journey so far. I mean, it's, it's incredible to believe that we've started this just a little over two years ago and that we've grown as much as we have. And a lot of people think there's this huge team of people behind us and it's just the two of us. We do everything on our own other than one intern that we have, who's also a driver that we represent with Camp Teague. Uh, he's a 19 year old that we just brought on recently and he's looking to help get some extra college credits. He wants to learn the business side. So we brought him on as an intern to help out when Tanya's tied up with some stuff, but also to understand what it takes on the business end. I do a lot of the back end stuff and some of the, the website based and some of the graphic work, but she handles the day-to-day -day operation. She's hammering the phones with the emails, doing the representation, pitching proposals, pushing decks, doing a lot of the social media. I mean, she's phenomenal at what she does. And we've made a really, really good team. And we're just hoping to give the little guy a shot that you can still do this. And we're not going to charge you an astronomical amount of money to do this. Yes, we have to pay bills and make sure costs are covered but we want to show you we can get this done and where others falter, we're going to pick up the slack and go back to the basics of where things should be in this sport. And we're going to make sure that those activation elements that were missed or overlooked by others, we're going to pick up the pieces and do double and triple what was promised. Yeah. What is it they say? Under promise and over deliver. Correct. Yeah. That's a good motto to run your business by for sure. So fans, I'm sure you've got some fans out there. Do you have a fan experience or a fan story that you want to share? 
I've got a few. Um, so the best one was this this guy who uh, was enjoying Speed Weeks last year at Daytona. Let's put it that way. It was um, what day was? It? I think it was Friday. It was Friday, Thursday or Friday. We were there in the Arca garage. I was spotting for Bryce Hogenberg and Arca with Andy Ellenberg's fast track racing operation, which is where I made my first start in ARCA at Kansas two years ago. But I was spotting for Bryce since I wasn't approved to run the race. And uh, we met our friends, Lee and Carlos Figueroa out of Florida. They do security at Daytona and Sebring. And Lee, we met, we hit it off with them. They're very good friends and supporters of ours. But Lee had told everybody that I was walking around and she wanted to introduce me to different people that she knew in the campground. So we walk and she's introducing me to people. And there was this one gentleman who, uh, like I said, he'd had a few drinks and he was enjoying his speed weeks. And um, I like to personalize my hero cards when I sign them. Cause I want, I feel like it adds a little bit extra mm-hmm. to it because it lets people know that I took the time to shake their hand and learn their name. Mm-hmm. Now, whether I remember that when I see them again, I try my best, but I just want to give them a little extra for being there. Cause I know it means a lot. There was this guy who his name was junior and he told, and I asked him his name and shook his hand. He's like junior. And so I, I have a very sarcastic personality and no filter. And I said, is that junior with two J's? And they all, <laughs> they all lost it. And he, the guy didn't get it. And he's, uh, you're funny <laughs> i can't really tell you what he said because he was drunk and it yeah was, but because this is a family show but it 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 summarized you're funny and then i signed it got a picture with him and moved and then we moved on to the next camper so yeah that's that's a good story yeah. uh, you know i uh i met a guy my husband and i met a guy when we went to daytona a few years ago and he uh he didn't have any legs and he was in a wheelchair and he had long hair and, you know, he looked like a product of the seventies, which is when I was in high school, but we, it was so hot and we had a, a shady spot. And so at the table, so we invited him to bring his wheelchair and sit in the shade, you know, with us. And so we got to know him a little bit and, found out, you know, we assumed he was in the war or he was in an accident, but actually it was some kind of fish and I can never remember what it was, but some kind of fish that bit his leg. I think he only had, I'm sorry, he only had one leg, had lost one leg, but Mm. this fish had bit his leg and it was poisonous. And by the time they figured out everything anyway, he'd lost part of his leg, Mm. but he was a huge NASCAR fan. And, you know, my husband goes and he's a fan and and that, but he's not a fan, you know, he tolerates sometimes when I want to go to the racetrack. And so, um, so Johnny was his name and we talked and, and got to know him. And then the next day we saved him a spot. So we sat, we sat with him all three days we were there and I still, I send him a Christmas card. I send him a birthday card. I get a a message back every once in a while. Sometimes we get a letter back from him just saying, Hey, are you coming to Daytona this year? Are you going to be in the infield? Where are you going to be? You know, and what are the chances that I would meet that guy? And he, he and I really hit it off. And if you saw him, 
strolling, you know, going down the street in his wheelchair, you would have an impression of him if you understand what I'm saying. Mm. Um, but to get to know him and to hear his story and then be able to really be friends with him and, and stay in touch, it means a lot. And so you look back at that story of J -J -J junior and, um, and it means a lot to you. And, and that's the same with some of the people I've met. That to me is a benefit of motorsports that you can't explain to people. They don't get it if they're not a part of it. Um, like I said earlier, it's my favorite part. <laughs> now that I've met Kyle in person, kind of in person, you know, over StreamYard. But if we do meet in person someday, we're going to feel like we've really gotten to know each other compared to me just being like, oh, who's this driver? I'm going to, you know, try to follow him. It makes a difference when you can really talk to somebody and hear their story. And absolutely. And I appreciate yeah. that very much. Uh, we will be at Daytona in February as of right now. So if you're going to be there, look I'm forward to meeting so. you. Fingers crossed. We're, well, we're hoping to. We're, we're so I'm not approved yet to do Daytona for trucks, but we're planning to go down and support the team for the yeah. first race of the year is like a, we want to be part of like the send off when they take the green. So, right. Right. I'm hoping so. It's, it's on my calendar. Let's put it that way. And so, you know, you have to schedule it or it won't happen. So I'm hoping so. It's been a couple of years since I was there. So it's time to go back for sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Is there anything Kyle that I haven't asked you about or that we haven't talked about that we really need to discuss or let the listeners know more about who Kyle is? I just want people to know that I'm different. I'm not what you've seen over the last 10 to 10 to 12 years. I'm more of your old school driver. Yes. I'm part of the newer generation of driver, I guess, but I'm old school at heart. I very much respect the history of this sport. I'm a diehard fan. I honestly, to be perfectly honest with you, um, I still keep the diecast collection going. It was a promise I made to my grandmother um, when before she passed away that I would keep it going for her because we both contributed to it. And maybe one day if I have kids that it's something I can pass along to them, mm -hmm. but it's a way of honoring and cherishing her memory. But I do care about this sport and it's, it's sad to see sometimes the way things have gone. Yes. Times change. We kind of have to roll with the punches, let's say, but I'm old school. I care about these fans. I care about these partners that we work with. I care about these potential partners that we're entertaining for next year and beyond. I want to be different. I, I know getting into this sport, it takes a lot. I know you have to prove yourself and different scares these people. And I've been witness to that quite a bit because of just the way I go about it. But I just want any fan or potential business owner or CEO or COO, CFO, take a chance on the little guy. Please don't write us off because we're different because I'm with a small team right now. Yeah. I've had to pave the way and I'm trying to pave the way that the little guy can get back in the sport and can be successful. And that there are really good drivers that 
have an untapped potential and I feel I'm one of them, but I also feel that I can do a really good job for your organization outside of the car. Yeah. And if you feel like you faltered in a former program, reach out and find out how to get involved with me because I'm different. And I want to bring this sport back to the glory days. I want to help bring the sport back to the glory days that it had. And that I'm open to doing different disciplines of motorsports. I want to look at doing some IMSA as well. My goal is to do the Rolex 24, whether it's in a prototype or a GT car at some point, because I just love that race. I fell in love with it. First time I watched it in 2005 and, but just take a chance on me. I'm different. I, it's frustrating when I see organizations complain, moan over frustration of a current situation that they're not happy with. And then because it's all they know, or we know it, they resign. And then by March, they're complaining about the same. It's the definition of insanity in NASCAR, I guess, is the way you call it. And it's frustrating but I want these people to take me seriously and I'm not going away. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And one of these days I'm going to be in a cup car. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be cheering for you, Kyle. That's for sure. You know, like I said, there's so many young drivers that need a shot. And, and I think about how, you know, in football, they have what they call the combine where the guys that are wanting to be picked up for, draft you know to be drafted into football they go and everybody checks them out but we don't have anything like that in nascar or racing it's it you know okay maybe you're in the arca series but it's not the same thing as going you know for the weekend to the combine and i i understand what you're saying about you know there's so many good drivers in the grassroots level that just don't don't have the money, don't have the opportunity. Um, I listened to a podcast last night. I, I'm a huge podcast listener, Kyle, as well as um, doing one for myself. But I listened to In the Pits, which is a, a podcast that comes from the northeast part of mm -hmm. the country. And um, Scott Tap or Tap is it Scott? Yeah. Scott Tapley, I think is his name, is on that show. And he was talking about he did a, a race over the weekend at Riverhead. Mm -hmm. And and so I've learned a lot about the northeast part of the country and the racing. Um, but I really like Scott a lot on that show. And so he was the race director. And he was talking last night about a 12-year-old boy that comes from nothing. And he and his dad have put this car together and the things that they've done. And the kid is amazing. 12 years old. He was racing some big race that they had there last weekend and he won the pole. Wow. And he, I believe finished third in the race, second or third. And it was all that Scott could talk about. And, and I, as you were talking about, you know, kids who come from nothing, don't have the, trust fund to behind him in that there's a classic example of a kid who, unless he gets some notice or gets noticed by somebody, which it looks like he's starting to, he could be one of the best drivers ever. He could be the next Kyle Larson, but mm -hmm. if we don't give him a chance, 
just because he, he can't bring money to the table, that is a crying shame in our sport. Unfortunately, while racing is a business, we've kind of done it to ourselves. We have put this emphasis on, yes, you have to keep the doors open. You got to keep the lights on. You got to keep the rent paid. But in my opinion, something needs to be said for owners giving some of these guys a shot. There's yeah. some owners out there that have income that could afford to do it. And yeah. it would be very beneficial to the sport, in my opinion. And unfortunately, it's drivers like this young man up at Riverhead that if not given that opportunity are going to that potential is going to go untapped and it's mm -hmm. going to go to waste. And unfortunately, yeah. and, and it's a shame to see that. I mean, but that's why we started KLR is we wanted to give these guys an opportunity to be represented. But also I went through a lot of fight. I wasted a number of years doing things that I thought were beneficial. I tried to methodically plan out races I could run based on money that I had that came out of mostly my own pocket. And I want these drivers to not have to be held up for so long because of barriers that can be busted down by understanding do's and don'ts and ways to approach it and yeah. presentation tactics from at track, off track that mm -hmm. can speed and expedite their careers or expedite the process of getting some funding. Yes, we know relationships must be built. You have to build that sense of trust with a potential partner. And it's vital because they have to feel like, like I said earlier, they have to know that their investment is going to go far and isn't going to be wasted because we do yeah. know people, not everybody in this world has good intentions, but yeah. we, we need to start finding a way to give drivers a chance and we need to start showing that money doesn't drive everything. Yes, you have to take care of stuff, but we need to reward drivers for success. We need to yeah. give them a shot. Whether it works out or not, you won't know until you try it. And we need to get back to that in some form or fashion, or unfortunately, it's going to be a rich kid's game. We're going to turn yeah. into the next Formula One. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I don't need to be blunt, and I know that probably oh, sounds true. Out, but let's be realistic. Um, Formula One is a trust fund baby's playground. Let's be realistic. Um, and unfortunately, we need to change the trajectory very, very quickly. I often hear Formula One referred to as the rich man series. And, you know, <clears throat> I don't know if you watched Driven, Driven to, mm -hmm. what was the name of it on Netflix? The series that, the, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I learned a lot about F1. I wasn't I'm wasn't an F1 fan. I never was um, exposed to it. But even to be able to afford a ticket to go watch it, hmm. it's ridiculous. And so, um, you know, I did learn a lot about it. I'll catch a race here and there, but um, it's really not at the top of my list of of things to focus on. But um, you know, it takes all kinds, I guess, and if if that's how it's going to be for them, let's not make that how it's going to be for us. Again, I agree. We have to change the trajectory. There's these drivers have to start caring about these fans. They're the yeah. ones that support these businesses that are on the side of these race cars, but yeah. we have to stop. We have to stop the behavior 
and rewarding the behavior of drivers and teams that don't hold up their end of the bargain. They need to be held accountable. And I am challenging every CEO, and I've done this before, and I'm going to do it again. Please don't hold this against me, but I am going to challenge every small business owner, CEO, CFO, COO, every one of you that have these businesses. We understand we are in a down economy, but you still have to promote. You still have to market your organization. You still have to look at a one-year, five-year, and a 10-year plan looking forward. Stop rewarding these fools for over-promising and underperforming for you. Give it back to the little guy and let us do what we know how to do. And those of us that know what we can do and will do and are willing to do without hidden fees and extra astronomical hidden gems, let's say, that come up that unfortunately make put a bad taste in the mouth for these organizations, but I'm challenging every single one of you and you know who you are. Stop rewarding this process of these guys that do this. Take a chance on a little guy. Yeah. You don't know what we can do because you haven't given us a shot. They've had multiple shots and we need to stop defining insanity in motorsports, no matter what level we're at. Yeah. So Kyle, if we wanted to follow you or your business, uh, social media, whatever, what's the best way for somebody to either get in touch with you, follow you on social media, what, whatever you want to share? Well, the best way to get a hold of us and learn a little bit about our organization uh, with my brand is www.kylelockra.com. Right now, just due to cost restraints, most of the KLR stuff is tied into a sub of sub page on my website. And the reason being, like I said, it's just we're trying to save a little bit of money right now just right. because of the cost of it. And we're trying to be smart. And then eventually we're going to branch out and make it a subsite. But I actually took a page out of Earnhardt Jr.'s book where he or essentially where he's kind of had junior motorsports tied into his personal website because I thought if through the promotion and through pushing and any media that I do, I want it to trickle down to the drivers yeah. that we represent. So you can reach out there. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I still have a TikTok at this point. We have a management Twitter with KLR management. I do. I have a LinkedIn. I have a YouTube page, uh, Lockro Racing. There's a second one floating around of a channel that I've got some old late model stuff on and okay. I've lost the original media. So I don't want to pull them just I need to pull them and re-upload them at some point but at that point we've got a lot of that and if you want to find a way to get in touch with us and you want to get involved or if you're looking to and you have a driver that wants to get needs representation you can reach out to Tanya uh Lockro Banning Lockro um her email and all of her contact information is on the website reach out we do have a few spots still available for next year um obviously it just depends on how much help that we have but if anybody needs advice if they need some coaching on a simulator to get uh more apt for the season if they need some help you know we have multiple facets of this business that we do but if you want to partner with my brand specifically she's the person you reach out to we have decks and proposals available and we will tailor them to any budget or you know restrictions or needs that you have for your organization or you know, let's say programs you want to emphasize on in 24. Okay. 
Sounds good. There's a lot of ways they can get in touch with you. And if they can't find you somewhere, which I can't believe they wouldn't, <laughs> they can always reach out to me and I'll be able to connect you as well. So Kyle, I really appreciate your time. Um, I love hearing your story and, and the passion that you have for the grassroots level driver. That's, that's important. We cannot lose, we cannot lose our interest, our passion of getting those drivers noticed. And, you know, honestly, I had somebody yesterday ask me, and I've had, I've had, I've had a couple people over the last five years ask me this question. What famous people have you interviewed? And so I kind of, I, I kind of chuckled to myself a little bit. Um, and so, you know, I shared a few people in the motorsports business that I have interviewed, but I, what I said was, you know, most of my interviews, Oh, sorry. I need to no I need a nap. Most <laughs> of my interviews are with people you've never heard of, but they all have a great story and they're all, all of those people, Kyle are grassroots people. They're drivers, they're car owners, they're track owners, they're promoters, whatever they might be. And it's not, you know, the people that are famous, sure, I love to interview them. They're fun. You know, they all have good stories too. But what about the people who aren't famous? Where are they going to tell their stories? So in my magazine that I do, the online magazine, that's where you're going to read about them. On this podcast, that's where you're going to hear about them. And so um, you and I are kind of on the same path a little bit with getting those grassroots people noticed and, and that. So um, mine are mostly women. Um, once in a while, Kyle, we have a bonus <laughs> episode like you, but most of the time it's women that I'm trying to help our young girls. But I appreciate what you and your wife are doing. And I just want to encourage you to don't give up. Don't give up. Just keep going after it. It's hard some days. I'll be honest with you. I mean, this sure. year we had an okay year, but I'll be honest with you. Just, it was a dumpster fire this year. I mean, yeah. if it blew up, if it broke, if it did this, I mean, we had a couple good finishes, but if it could go wrong this year, it did. And well, honestly, I'm ready for December 3rd. I'm looking forward to Indianapolis for the PRI show yeah. to go for some networking, but I'm looking forward to December 31st at 1159 <laughs> over and starting yeah. fresh next year. Cause I tell you what, I mean, we capped off the year with a fifth place finish at dominion in the six hour there. And we've got some real, positivity going into next year and we've got okay. a lot of great leads that we're talking to but i am ready for a fresh start and yeah. <laughs> and yeah. i need uh i need a need a need a change of the racing gods to shine on me next year yeah i'll be at pri on friday and i'll actually be on the so this year they're having something called the podcast stage oh okay. i think it's something new um i didn't go to pri last year it's been two years since I was there, but um, apparently they have the called the podcast stage and they're going to have um, people doing pot, doing their podcast or interviews from that stage that people can listen to and watch and whatever. And I'll be there on that stage Friday from nine to nine 45. So if you're around, um, make sure you come over and flag me down when I'm done so that maybe we can meet face to face. 
we're looking forward to it. Now that you've said it, I know I had Tanya just over in the back. She's in the background, uh, keeping an eye on me, um, as always, um, keeping, keep, keeping the cats away, but also keeping me in line, but no, we'll absolutely make sure that we make time to be there. And, um, I can't thank you and your folks enough for, um, and your fan base enough for being gracious enough to let me, uh, invade the, uh, women's world for an evening. (laughs) Well, that's quite all right. I, I appreciate that. Thank you, Kyle. And um, if you'll hang around after the recording so I can get a little information and then I'll see you at PRI. Sounds great. I hope everybody has a great holiday season. Have a safe Thanksgiving, um, a safe Christmas. And just a little side note personally for me, um, I've been a victim of a drunk driving accident. Please, everybody, just drink responsibly this holiday season. Spend it with your loved ones. Don't spend it in a hospital or, you know, end up in a grave over, over a mistake. So please just be responsible and let's go into the new year strong. I agree. Thank you for that, Kyle. All right, everyone. That was Kyle Lockrow. We are excited that we can have a bonus episode with such a wonderful young man. And so I hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you at the next one. Good night. Good night, everybody.